Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Eric Raymond to the podcast. Eric serves as the preaching pastor of Emmaus Bible Church in Omaha, Nebraska, and he is the author of a recent book entitled, Is Hell for Real? Thus, today, we'll be talking about preaching judgment. Eric, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, it's good to have the conversation today, and I'm looking forward to talking about this topic, which, my goodness, do we need to engage uh, preaching judgment, why to preach judgment, how to preach judgment, what that does by way of awakening in the hearts and lives of people. And uh, so we'll get to that. But before we do, give us a word of update on you and on the Raymond family and uh, on the forthcoming ministry transition for you. And uh, let our listeners know what God's doing in your life and ministry. Yeah, you bet. So I, I'm currently the pastor of Emmaus Bible Church in Omaha, Nebraska, a church planted about seven years ago. And so we've been faithfully ministering here in Omaha. This is where I became a Christian uh, after moving here from Massachusetts. I joined the military and moved out here, heard the gospel, and got converted here. But it seems that God has called me back to New England, where I grew up. I've had a a burden for uh, New England in general and Massachusetts in particular for ever since I became a Christian, just because I knew that I'd never heard the gospel uh, there growing up. And uh, just in God's province, this... um, this opportunity came to me and uh, to go and be the senior pastor of Redeemer Fellowship Church in Watertown, which is a, a town uh, just adjacent to Boston. So I'm very much excited about that, going there uh, to to serve along so many other faithful brothers who are working hard in a really tough patch. Um, I know I just listened to the podcast you did uh, with Nate Pickwitz a few um, few weeks ago, and I just commend what he was saying there. It's a it's a region that needs ministry, it needs ministers, it needs the gospel. Uh, the gospel's powerful, and our family is very much excited to go there. It's kind of a neat thing, too, with our church, because we have a Midwestern grad, Luke Gorsett, who's going to step into my spot uh, and, and take take my position and continue to preach here. He was raised up in this church, and our church is viewing this not so much as me resigning and going somewhere else. In fact, I wouldn't use that language. Uh, they're sending us. So they see us going there, kind of sending us to Boston to serve in that context, and we're going to maintain that good relationship and try to make and train disciples up there just like we've been doing here in Omaha. Oh, that's great. So happy for you and for the church in Omaha and uh, for your new your new ministry opportunity in Boston. Well, listen, Eric, we want to talk about preaching judgment. And uh, you know, even as I say those words, I'm reminded that there is a, a dearth of preaching on hell a dearth of preaching on judgment uh, in the evangelical pulpit today. Now, we can lament that, we can uh, bemoan that, but it's just a simple fact. And uh, I haven't done a, co- done a comprehensive survey or comprehensive review, but I just know I don't hear it much lately, haven't heard it much lately, and uh, I, I don't know that many others have as well. And so you've written a book entitled, Is Hell for Real? I also know, though more broadly beyond the book, uh, you're a person, you're a man who's been committed to preaching the full counsel of God, and with that, uh, with preaching even on God's judgment. So I guess, you know, just on the front end of the conversation, tell me about the book, what prompted you to write it, uh, what questions were in your mind you're hoping to answer, and uh, what you're hoping to accomplish through the book in the life of the Church. Yeah, you bet. So I think just the question about hell is one that I, I just get regularly as pastors, and probably one of the top questions 
whether you're talking about uh, somebody that's not yet a Christian or skeptic asking questions or somebody that's a newer Christian trying to get things sorted out, or even or someone's been a Christian for quite a while and they're, they're wrestling through um, ultimate questions. So it's something that I just regularly uh, find myself answering. So the, the book is actually comes out of a set of sermons that I did here at the church, and it's just asking basic questions, you know, is fundamentally, is hell real? Is it is it an actual reality? Uh, and then what is it like? What 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 do, what would hell be like? Uh, what does the Bible describe hell to be? And then the reason for it. Why is there hell in the first place? And then it includes some pleas not to go to hell. Uh, and then just some, uh, some appendices that think about some of the alternative views of hell and some of the other frequently asked questions. So what I'm trying to accomplish with the book is just to give a... Uh, an accessible resource that people from all those categories that I described earlier could grab onto and read. It's a shorter book, around 100 pages in a, in a the smaller size, where somebody could read through that in a, a week or so and and get most of their basic questions answered, kind of have their bearings, have their furniture set up to understand what the Bible says about it, uh, and then provide it in a, in a way that I think helps to emphasize the glory of Christ and the gospel um, so that people understand that, that hell is real. Uh, but it's a, it's a sober reality. It's definitely something that shouldn't be flippantly considered. And so when we think about preaching hell, why do you think, or, or what does it say about the, the typical evangelical pulpit that that topic is not frequently broached? What does it say about the state of the evangelical pulpit and perhaps the state of the evangelical church? Well, I mean, it's something that you talk about often with even just expository preaching. If somebody's preaching um, verse by verse through the Bible, I mean, you you can scarcely preach through the Gospels without bumping into the discussion of hell. I mean, Jesus, as has been noted by many, talked more about hell than anybody else. If you're faithfully preaching the Word, you're going to run into that that topic. Um, and then if you think of the Apostles, um, I mean, you're running into that as well, and then you think of the prophets and how they preach and the consequences of sin. So I think it it, it, it speaks to some of the uh, the lack of biblical preaching, particularly expository preaching. Um, and then, I mean, let's just be honest, it's not a pleasant topic. So if, if one can talk about other things um, that more... Um, is, is more soothing to one's listeners or more comfortable to one's own soul, then they they might entertain those uh, topics as well. I mean, it's not comfortable. It, it, even if someone's convinced biblically to speak of it, it's not, not a comfortable topic to, to relay one-on-one or in the context of a congregation. But if it's the truth of God, then we must proclaim it. So I think it speaks to something of what we might believe about the Scriptures uh, and maybe speaks of the importance of what we place upon it. So I think it's uh, it's lamentable, as you say. So I guess you're trying to combat that in the book, Dan. You're trying to introduce the topic. You're trying to awaken the, the, the consciences of preachers, the consciences of believers as to why this topic is important. Um, was any other motivation on your mind in writing the book? Well, I think, I mean, I think if you think about hell and you, you think about it and it's, it's, the horrors of hell, particularly the eternal nature of it, it begins to help us to understand the bigness of the gospel. Because I mean, let's face it, you're, you're when you when you're talking about being delivered from hell, you're you're talking about being taken away from the eternal conscious torment of being separated from God, where 
there's there's no escape. There's no second chance. And, and you not only are taken out of that, but you're given the eternal conscious blessing of the presence of God. It's the everlasting joy of the presence of God with our pleasures forevermore. So you, you think about what you've been spared from with the infinite mercy, and then the grace that you get, this wonderful gift that you have. So I think understanding hell helps you um, to understand the nature of grace and the goodness of the gospel, just much of the way that understanding the law and you see your own sin helps you understand the grace and mercy of God. But furthermore, it helps us to understand the the weight of what Christ suffered for us, because I mean, the gospel is not some accounting trick where, where God you know, gives Jesus 30% of what we would have got at 100%. And, you know, he suffered the full lot of eternal torment on the cross. But he actually suffered and satisfied eternal wrath for us. So to understand what Christ truly suffered in our place puts, puts a focus on the glory and greatness of Jesus. So not only do we not get hell, we get heaven, and we see the glory of Christ in it. So I, I wanted to hope, hopefully sharpen people's focus onto the gospel of grace, mercy, and Christ. So when you think about preaching hell, preaching judgment, you know, one sermon really towers above the landscape. And that for that, we have to go back several centuries now, but that sermon by Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, I had the opportunity just a few years ago to literally hold that sermon, uh, Edwards' handwritten sermon, in my hands on the campus at, at Yale University there in the Beinecke Library and to, um, to, to hold that. And it was a pretty wild experience, understanding that Edwards had once held that, had preached that sermon in, in his church, and then, of course, you know, many, many times, uh, and God used that to fan the flames of the Great Awakening. Um, bringing that forward to the year 2018, should pastors preach sermons like this, like that today? Well, uh, I think probably thematically, yes. Um, the way Edwards traced out with word pictures, I think yes, certainly. Um, perhaps every pastor needs to know his congregation and his context. And some, some people may not be able to track on the, the level of which Edwards was communicating and, and just the, the, the way his mind worked. But I think fundamentally and thematically and doctrinally and stylistically with word pictures, I think absolutely. We want to, you know, as, as Calvin was talking about hell, and he, he said that, you know, one of the reasons that Jesus used such descriptive, descriptive language was to awaken the the senses of man, so they might flee from wrath. So I think Edwards was trying to awaken the senses of his congregation, and and, and I, so I think yeah, absolutely should preach in that manner. Um, but again, I think there's there's probably some cautions to be had as well. But overall, I'd say yes. Hey, Eric, let's pause just for a moment for a word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Ministry degree program is your next step in training for local ministry. The Doctor of Ministry program at Midwestern Seminary is designed to equip and train leaders with a commitment to the local church. With multiple emphases available, including counseling, church revitalization, expository preaching, leadership, and missions, among others, your program provides the equipping you need in practical theology for direct church work and ministry leadership. And because all of our doctoral programs are modular, you don't have to leave your current ministry to pursue your degree. For more information, visit mbts.edu today. That's mbts.edu. All right, I'm back here in the studio with Eric Raymond, recording on preaching judgment. I have a theory I want to try with you. 
Eric, and it's this. You know, we're talking today about preaching hell, preaching judgment, and the fact that we don't hear a lot of that. But, but here's my theory, that more broadly speaking, our preaching tends to be towards the temporal as opposed to the eternal, period. By that, I mean uh, so much of the preaching is oriented towards the, the here and now, what's going on in your life this week, what, uh, what, what took place in your life last week, how to process that, how to be faithful in your job, how to raise your children, et cetera. And, uh, you know, my, my, my question is this, or, or my observation is this, that we are so temporal at times, we don't speak enough to the eternal, whether it is eternal hell or eternal heaven. I just don't hear much preaching on eternity, period. And so I want to just kind of throw that theory at you and uh, and get your reaction. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right, especially where we're very focused not even on our, our lives in general, and that just the span of, say, Lord willing, 60 or 70 or 80 years, it's, it's so much on the day and the week and the month and the period of time right now. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, the eternal nature of hell and heaven and the speck of time that we're, we're living on earth um, Concepts like hell and heaven help to relativize our moment in light of the big picture of the entirety of history. And it helps to lift our chins above the horizon of the to-do list to look at eternity. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's valuable for a preacher to do, to help people to see that big picture. You know, it's interesting to me, just modern man, and how modern man just has a revulsion at the idea of, of an eternal judgment. You know, who is God that he could do that? Who is God that he would do that? I was reading just uh, recently a social media post from someone that uh, I knew in a previous stage of life, and, and the argument he was making about hell, or against hell, I should say, was something like this. He was arguing from Scripture about the love of God and the grace of God, the mercy of God as referenced in Scripture. And is therefore, well, since we know God is gracious and loving and merciful, that type of God would not consign people to an eternal punishment. Now, I mean, there's so many different ways you can pick apart that argument. The most obvious one is you are taking scriptures to inform your knowledge of God as it relates to his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, but not but you're unwilling to go to the same scriptures to inform your knowledge of the other attributes of God, the other characteristics of God, the other actions of God, whether it be eternal judgment in the future or God's judgmental acts he's rendered throughout throughout history. You know, it, I was struck in, in that moment of just how, for modern man, you know, they might be able to embrace God as creator in some general abstract sense. They might be able to embrace a God in kind of a deistic sense that, that loosely has his hand on the tiller of the universe. But when it comes to embracing a God that is engaged enough in his creation to sentence people to an eternal punishment based upon whether or not they have a relationship with his son. Um, that is just too much for modern man to take most often. Uh, how do you assess this current ministry moment when so many of these great biblical truths are being rejected, are being doubted, most especially this truth of an eternal judgment and thus the urgency of choosing, of giving one's life to Christ that that should prompt? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think you put your finger right on the issue that so many preachers and, and Christians as evangelists need to, to wrestle with as they consider their audience who they're talking to. I, I, think, I think that is a, a serious, serious problem. Um, and it doesn't it really stem from an understanding of who God is, um, and what his nature is. I mean, there's a, 
to say that God's been domesticated and that he has been reduced to uh, a creatureliness, uh, I think is, is probably appropriate. We have a, we've lost the understanding of the holiness of God, the majesty of God, and the righteousness of God. I mean, presuming upon his love and his mercy uh, and neglecting all of the other attributes, uh, we end up having a God who is, seems to be infinite in mercy and um, really uh, compromises his justice at every turn. So I think it would really behoove preachers and Christians in general, especially when we're thinking about evangelism and apologetics, to double down on our study of theology proper, who God is, so that we understand a biblical view of who this God is that we're trying to speak of. So we, we need to persuade people that, because we're everybody's coming holding on to their gods and communicating what they believe about God. And we have to be able to say, no, this isn't, this isn't the God of the Bible. This is who God is like. And, and as, as pastors, we have to be careful that we're not assuming too much when we're preaching. Every, every single week, the, the passage is going to be about God in one way or another, and we need to be able to communicate who He is so that we are displacing uh, false gods, false concepts, not only for those who are unbelievers in our presence, but also those who are believers that are being catechized by the various news media around them, to have a different view of who God is. I think it's absolutely pivotal that, that preachers do not assume anything, but they understand that they have to continually preach the full counsel of God so as to help people to understand who He truly is. So how would you encourage pastors who are preaching week in and week out to the same flock, the same church, and that are seeking to uh, treat the Scripture seriously, perhaps preaching through books in the Bible, and therefore coming across topics like hell and judgment um, not infrequently, what would you encourage pastors to keep in mind as, as a part of their pastoral responsibility to the flock as they deal with such weighty topics? Yeah, I think, so there's a, a story I put in the, the book, I think it was um, the old Scottish um, Bible preacher, Bonar, when he was talking to the other the other gentleman came to him and said, you know, he asked him a question, what he what he preached on, he told him he preached on hell, and he said, brother, I, I hope you preached it with tears. Uh, and I think that that's, that's one thing that that is, is a danger. Some people might um, avoid the doctrine of hell from the standpoint of them not wanting to teach on it, and then you go on the other side, and you could, you could come as a preacher and, and be unfeeling about it and forget that you're talking to actually the souls and we're talking about eternal consequences. So there's a, there's a, we can get our cues from Jesus, who was weeping over the city, who was crying out, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Uh, Jesus was overflowing in compassion to those who even were, were sinning against him. And I, I think as preachers, uh, having a biblical, Christ-like reflection in our pulpits requires us to be moved by the very text, not only the realities of heaven, but also the horrors of hell. Um, so I, I think getting in the passage, making it first applicational to your own self before trying to make it application to the congregation, that requires prayer, honesty before the Lord and before the text, and getting into the text in such a way that you can actually preach it out and sweat it out in, in the pulpit so that it it strikes that biblical tone, not only in the faithfulness of, of what the text says, but really what the text is communicating, how it feels. And you got Jesus with tears on his cheeks. I mean, I, I mean that's got to preach. You you got to see that this is the Savior who goes to the cross, and he hates so sin so much that he would die for it, and he hates sin so much that there's a hell reserved to pay for it. I mean, we got to somehow communicate communicate that in such a way that it reflects 
biblical marrow. So as we're doing that, any particular pitfall to avoid? Uh, I mean, you've touched on some of these, obviously, have a heart of compassion, tears as Jesus mm-hmm. had. Any other pitfall come to mind as to how we may undermine our very preaching on judgment? Undermine preaching on judgment. Yeah, or any other pitfall that could hinder the preacher. Any other yeah. word of counsel you would give that, to, to encourage us to faithfully honor the text and, and, fa- and rightly preach the topic? Yeah, I, I think going through and preaching books of the Bible and trying to be faithful to the individual passage you're in, I think, that, I think that's key. But also, if there's difficult passages that you might be coming across, so you're in Matthew 24 and you're having difficulty with that, I mean, bringing in the, the full counsel and the, the other passages of Scripture that might help you to understand uh, more fully that particular topic, so studying systematic theology, uh, then studying uh, biblical theology to see how this this topic is used in, um, progressively through the Scripture, then historical theology to help understand how preachers in past generations, how the Church has wrestled with this topic, you can see how this has developed, and that even the faithfulness in previous generations. Um, another, another might be just even looking, reading the the biographies of missionaries that have gone and given their lives in the service of others to bring the gospel because they believe this truth. And I mean, you're talking about radical martyrs who have given their lives for the cause of Christ because they believed in a literal hell. So. I, Having that in, always in the fore, um, having the congregation before you, thinking in terms of the big picture of eternity, I think all of those things would, would aid the preacher in his preaching, and not just making it transactional week after week, and you're thinking about just, just doing your job of preaching. Well, it's, it's a bigger picture. You're in a moment. You're standing in the place there between heaven and earth, and you're proclaiming the Word of God, God's very Word to your people that need to, need to be heard that day. That's a monumental task, and one that we should tremble before God, even as we tremble before our congregation. Eric, very well said. Thank you for your book, Is Hell for Real? I encourage our listeners to pick it up. Uh, It's out through the Good Book Company, and you can access that online or in various Christian bookstores. And uh, Eric, it's good to have your good, sober voice in this conversation and on this podcast talking about preaching judgment. Uh, It's something that all of us who preach uh, come to with regularity as we engage the text. And uh, man, it's imperative that we treat that with 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 soberness, soberness, with uh, with graciousness, and uh, with a broken spirit, understanding that these matters are real. Eternity is indeed forever. Judgment, torment, hell, are indeed pain-inducing realities. And so, Eric, thank you for your work. Thank you for your ministry, and God's best to you as you transition uh, here in the season ahead to your new outpost in Boston. Thank you for being on Preaching and Preachers. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.